This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, I love uh, the fact that we use uh, Zoom technology because it allows me to take the podcast uh, anywhere in the world, pretty much. So uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I really have been wanting to, praying about telling more of the stories, sharing more of the stories and interviewing a lot of you out there who uh, who are, are, you are the ministry, you are the ministry of influencers. So I'm uh, blessed to have a man from Tulsa, Oklahoma, my old stomping grounds on with me. I've got a guy named Rodney James. Welcome, Rodney. Hey, Brian, it's great to be here today. Thank you. You bet. You bet. You guys will get to know Rodney here in a second. But um, yeah, I uh, when I first started in journey groups and all that, it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that was back in 2006. And uh, Frank Khalil has been regional director for quite a few years over there. And and he's done a great job growing that ministry. So Rodney is a fruit of that. Uh, so, so Rodney, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? And uh, of course, I love to hear the stories of you know, how God put you in a journey group first, you know, cause, yeah. cause we pray about these groups and who are the right men. And I'm always curious to see how he pieces it together, you know, but, but why don't you give a little backstory on who you are and, and a little about where you were leading up to the journey for starters. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excited to share the story because it's, it really is an amazing journey that God's had me on. So I'll back all the way up. I've been married for 33 years. I have one daughter, um, have a new grandson and another one on the way. So we're really excited about that. God's blessed our family tremendously. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, um, Christian parents, um, tended church every Sunday, Wednesday, Monday night, Saturday, you know, every opportunity that the doors were open, that was our family. Um, come to know the Lord in 1982, um, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, put my faith in him and, um, you know, started on a great journey, had a great youth pastor that taught me the scriptures and um, launched out on uh, my spiritual journey. As I as I grew and matured, went to college, uh, continued to have a walk with Christ um, at the level that I knew how to have a walk with Christ. Um, and uh, going through college, really thought I was going to go back and work for my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur. He built buildings, he built boat docks, he had an RV business, he was a professional photographer. And so uh, I think dad's dream and my dream both was I was going to go back and work for dad, but God had other plans. Um, I wound up in college taking an interest in aviation. Um, God really um, opened that door for me, just no other way to say it. It was miraculous how all that took place that I got all my ratings and flight instruction certificates and all of that while I was in college and minute much of it under scholarship was able to uh, leave college and step right into a corporate flying job, flew Learjets for two years. And um, that was back uh, when Desert Shield and Desert Storm came along. And um, corporate aviation basically almost overnight went completely flat. And um, so I found myself without a job and um, got on my knees and said, okay, God, I don't have to do what I want to do anymore, which was fly airplanes. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I prayed that prayer in November and February 15th, I was full-time in ministry, definitely not on my radar. Um, 
And so God called me into, in, in that position, worship pastor and executive pastor, kind of a dual role, and uh, served in that capacity for about seven and a half years. And God just really blessed what we did. Um, that's all I can tell you. I, I had no formal Bible training. I had no formal music training. Um, it was just an opportunity that God opened the door. And, and so I said, Lord, if you open it, I'll walk through it, but you got to help me. And he did. And so we had seven and a half amazing years of worship ministry, executive pastor ministry serving there and um, through a very unique set of circumstances. And I'll I'll, make, I'll abbreviate it a lot, but there's a lot of miracles in the midst of it. Um, I knew God was calling me to pastor, um, honestly, was planning to go to uh, seminary. I uh, had kind of began to line my ducks up for that. I was walking with my my pastor, actually, who was my pastor in high school, late high school years and early college years. He was mentoring me. And um, long story short, um, I was ready to to let the pastor know of the church that I was serving, that I was going to leave. And um, very in the midst of all of that, he resigned. We made a decision to stay until the church called a new pastor and the long story short, the miraculous story is that um, just a few months later, uh, the the church uh, placed a call on my life to pastor that church. So I stayed at the same church, accepted the position of senior pastor and stayed for another um, 12 and a half, 12 years and nine months. So 20 years at the same church uh, doing ministry and just saw God do some amazing things. And we completed that 20 years. I knew about a year, a uh, year and a half uh, before I left that God was doing something in my life, transitioning my call, leave that church, go to another church. I wasn't sure what it was. And I wrestled with God for 19 months, really just, Lord, what do you, what do you, I know my grace is lifted for here, but you never call people away from anything. You always call them to something. And so I said, Lord, what, what, what are you calling me to? And, um, it was a it was a rough season, um, but ultimately um, God called me out of pastoring the church, and again leaving out a lot of the details. But God called me into pastoring pastors and churches with the design and building of ministry facilities, and so I stepped out of that role of pastoring the church to uh, joined an organization um, that was a construction company that designed to build churches, and uh, went over to kind of help them be their business manager within about six months because of my construction background background with my dad and my ministry background, was able to take over the sales. Um, about another year later, I took over operations. Uh, a year and a half later, became a partner in that organization. And man, we just watched God do some amazing things. Um, the organization grew um, almost 10 times while I was there, uh, revenue-wise. Uh, and it was just the favor of the Lord. That's, that's all I can tell you. And um, it was toward the end of that uh, partnership that I was invited to a journey group. And to be very honest, I was extremely busy um, because the company had grown so rapidly and uh, so much in a period of about four and a half to five years. Um, I was traveling a tremendous amount, uh, helping serving churches all over the country that were designing and building facilities. And I got an invitation from Sean Copeland here in Tulsa, and Sean invited me uh, via a, a letter to uh, be a part of this men's group. And, you know, I first read the letter and I, I saw nine months and I said, man, there's just no way I have time for that. But 
I was at a place in my life where <clears throat> I knew since stepping down from pastoring, you know, you're kind of intentional about having to study. And uh, I had lost that intentionality because um, there wasn't that requirement or that need, if you will. And one of the things that I learned uh, very quickly after I started in the journey, and I'm going to go forward and then I'll come back, is that all those years that I was I was studying the word uh, to prepare to preach and teach, I was doing it for everybody else. I had everybody else in mind of, you know, when I when I approached a passage of scripture, God, what do you want to say to everybody else? And one really quick first lesson that I learned in the journey was God wants to speak to me first. Mm-hmm. And out of the overflow of what God says to me and out of the overflow of what God's doing in my life, then I can produce fruit in others around me. And so that was that was one of my quick lessons. But back to the invitation from Sean, didn't have time to do it like everybody else, um, had a conversation with him. And, you know, Sean's words were, you don't have time not to do it. And so um, my wife and I visited about it and she encouraged me uh, to make the commitment to be there. And so I did and um, stepped off in September of 2018. And God knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the timing because in December of 2018, three days before Christmas, I got a letter from my partner and he told me that uh, he wanted to dissolve the partnership. He wanted to take the company back. And man, I was devastated because I was on a path over the next three years uh, by 2020 to own the entire company. We had an agreement in place and we were walking that out. It was going to allow him to retire and it was going to allow me to take the company and move it forward. And so that was my retirement plan. That was my future plan. That was my plan to be a blessing to my family. And uh, all that came crashing down three days before Christmas in 2018. And Brian, I'll tell you that had it not been or being a part of a journey group, it would have been a really different story. Uh, it would have had a very different ending. But that day, I just, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, my wife and I were sitting in the living room and I read the email and um, I told my wife, I said, you better sit back down because I need to read something to you. And I shared that with her. And, you know, our first instinct was to fall on our face in our living room and just Say, God, we don't understand, but we trust you. And that was a hundred percent result of being engaged in the journey. And, you know, I'm a type A personality. So, you know, that what I told Sean was is, man, I don't want to commit to this because uh if I can't be all in, I don't want to be a part of it. And Sean said, Man, you just come. If you're traveling, you can't be here. It's okay if you miss one or two, but that's just not me. And so <clears throat> that was that was one of my biggest excuses for trying to say no, is that I'm not willing to miss one if I'm going to sign up for it. And thank God I didn't um, in those months leading up to this, uh, what was happening. And I just, man, it's just like what the journey says when you learn, when you really apply the principles, not getting anything out of the sessions necessarily, but doing what you're supposed to do between those sessions, spending time with Jesus, being connected to the vine, learning what it is to have a real intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, it's just life-changing. And so here's a guy who pastored for 20 years, who taught on John 15. I went back, uh, looked at some of my sermons, you know, a good deal through the journey going, how did I miss this before? 
And um, and so that was kind of the beginning of my my journey story. We went through that transition, that very, very difficult season, um, just saying, God, I don't understand. God, I trust you. Um, we worshiped. We played worship music. We sang in our living room uh, over those days waiting for to see what God was going to do. And um, and so that was kind of the start of the journey. Um, there's a lot of a lot of other moments. We saw God do some just miraculous things The the real miracle of all of it was because we simply said, Lord, we trust you. We worship you. And we just want you to direct our steps. Um, literally, um, less than one month later, 30 days later, God opened a door absolutely miraculously for us to start our own company, doing what I've been doing for the last seven and a half years, um, continue that with uh, with a new company, with our own company, and it's actually his company. We just happen to be the the ones who get the opportunity to manage it. And um, so continuing to do what God called me to do. And just it was just a miraculous uh, process that we went through. But it was really, I will tell you this, I probably have not gone through much other in my life that was as dramatic and tragic and difficult. But I, but I went through it with absolute peace, absolute peace, knowing that uh, he knew what was going to happen. He cared about what was going to happen. Um, he wanted to be involved. He wanted to help. And as long as we let him, he was just directing our steps literally day by day and moment by moment. Mm, mm. I love that. I'm I'm thinking about so many journey groups I've led. And, and you know, usually at the beginning of the journey, I, I, I'll say, all right, well, I I think you're in on this, but uh, let me just let you know that, you know, Satan doesn't like yeah. men going through the journey because a lot of times all hell breaks loose for guys in different ways. And, and, and I, I usually say, I haven't figured out, is it just because you're going through the journey and the enemy's coming after you or God knew you were going to be going through some stuff. So he put you in a journey yeah. to give you a, a place where you can make sense of things and have some guys around you to hold your arms up. You know, and I maybe it's a little of both. Yeah, exactly. So we, I, we there's no doubt. That. I heard some of those similar words from Sean when we started. Uh, Mick Skubanek, who was my small group leader within the kind of the larger group that we had, um, you know, became a real friend uh, during that that season uh, as a walking through that with me and um, and many of the guys there. I mean, uh, so many of those guys that just every week concerned about me, concerned about what was going on, putting their arms around me, praying for me, holding me up through that season. And so it's like you said, yeah, you, you, you know, um, especially when God's doing something in your life, the enemy's going to show up somewhere. Um, that's just part of it. Um, whether it's, we know that the Lord allows that obviously sifting and the things that he does in our life to, to make that connection to the vine stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, so thankful that I was in that process and had learned what I'd learned just in the that October, November, and December leading up to that of how to have this intimate relationship and really um, just feel like Jesus was sitting in the seat beside me uh, through that whole entire journey, directing our steps and giving us wisdom and and loving us and assuring us that he had tomorrow 
uh, and that he knew where we were going to be and he was going to take care of us. And man, did he ever, uh, how blessed we are. You know, and I've, I've, I've had heard other pastors say what you said that, you know, they like one, one, one pastor, he wasn't in my group, but I heard he was in, in a different group, but he said, uh, they were talking about journey to the inner chamber and he said, he, it just dawned on him. He said, I've been standing at the door to this, the entrance waving my people into the inner chamber and mm. he said and he got emotional and he said i felt like the lord saying no i want you to go in there yeah you know and, and it's that same sentiment i've heard a lot of pastors say they they they're preaching teaching they they love the lord they're they're serving they're they're using their gifts but yet they're not sure that they have an abiding relationship with christ i've heard pastors right. say that you know yeah. and so it's kind of what you what you expressed and this is kind of why we love pastors just to go through the journey with guys that are not even from their church where they can right. just be a guy and, yep. and let see what God would want to do. So I, you would concur with that, that thought? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously I have the blessing and the privilege of working with a number of pastors across the country and I've introduced multiples of those guys to the journey. Um, I know several of them have gone through it virtually because there's not groups in their area um, and so no question in my mind, every pastor ought to have the opportunity to go through journey again, not trying to do it as a men's ministry in your church, not trying to make it a, an event or a, a function or a minute. You need to go through it personally. And, uh, because it did, it radically changed my walk with Christ. Um, you know, again, I think I went from that mode of preparing, looking at scripture, always to prepare something for everybody else. And, mm -hmm. you know, now uh, I, God gives me the opportunity to speak. He can still get the opportunity to preach. I still teach every Sunday at a Bible study. And now the, the difference is uh, when God calls me to speak, all I got to do is open up my journal and go back and say, I remember this message you've already given me. I remember this message you've already given me because it came, it's coming from the overflow of what Christ is doing in my life. So the illustrations and the stories and uh, the applications are personal because, uh, you know, what I'm getting is directly from the Lord, from the scripture, not in preparation for a message, but for me. And, um, you know, it happens, uh, obviously, in that time that I spend with the king each morning. Um, and it also happens at various other times. Um, I mean, many times uh, I can tell you yesterday I was sitting in church and pastor was preaching and man just read this scripture and something popped out at me and I grabbed my journal and flipped the page instead of taking notes. The Lord was downloading something to me and I just said, Lord, I don't know what that's for, but I know it's for something. And so that is so fun. When you know that you have an open line of communication with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is teaching you and um, you're not having to go dig to find something to teach, but you're teaching from the overflow of what God's already doing or has done in your life. Something previously, uh, something that he's got fresh on your heart. Many times I can tell you I've had the opportunity to speak and just days before the Lord just opens up something. And I think, man, this is exactly what this is for, but it's got application for my life. And I think that's what the journey's done for me from a teaching, preaching, pastoral perspective is if the biggest lesson I learned is, is that um, 
it's so much easier, so much more fun, and so much more powerful and productive to teach from the overflow than to teach from preparation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask this. We've had we've had some discussions here even lately about how does influencers fit in with the local church? Because we're a parachurch organization, yep. you know, being a 501c3. Um, but all of our people, for the most part, go to church somewhere because they, they love the Lord and they want to go be part of a local body. Um, how do you see those two working together, maybe even in, just in Tulsa where you are? Um, yep. How do you see influencers working with the local church? So, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I hear a while back, um, an individual approached me about helping them with men's ministry in their church. And um, we talked for a few minutes and I said, man, I love you and I love your heart and passion for trying to reach men. But I'm just going to tell you, the plan that you have will never work. And the reason is doing fish cookouts and going on camping trips and doing all that stuff, those are great on-ramps, but they have to be on-ramps for something that's truly going to change men's lives. Mm. And so those are those are opportunities to be on-ramps, but if you're not really looking for a way to disciple men and train men to be all that God's called them to be, to teach them to have a real relationship with Jesus that impacts their life, not just on Sunday or a weekend out of the year or two weekends out of the year, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of every week. Um, that's I'm not, I've done, been there, done that. I've done the events. I've done the campouts. I've done the the cook cookouts. I've done all that stuff. And yes, it's attractional for men, but it has no lasting impact. Very few lives are dramatically changed in a 24-hour period or a, a one evening or whatever. Those are great on-ramps. So my encouragement, my hope has been yeah. that if if I can expose enough people to this, to the journey, uh, pastors, guys that are in church that are men, my hope is if it's men in the church, they see the difference that it's made in their men's lives and they want to they want to know what it's about. Right. And and I think that's the way it's got to be incorporated in the local church. I, I think it's. Speaking from a pastor and knowing it's really difficult for pastors to get on board with something that they think is just another event or another ministry, another opportunity. I, I know I, I read the emails and deleted them. I got the stuff in the mail and deleted it. Um, but I think the reality is men's ministry, if it had been working, I think the church would be at a different place today. <laughs> Because we are supposed to be the spiritual leaders in the home and in the church and in our world around us. And it's just not happening. And the reason is, is because we do these events and we we challenge men to be different, but we don't give them the tools to do it. Journey gives them the tools to learn to have this abiding relationship with Christ that transforms men. And, you know, one of the things that we do, and it's been so powerful, is the letters. Um from the wives. And, you know, when a wife sees a dramatic difference in her husband, it's got to impact more than just the home. It's got to impact the workplace. It's got to impact the church. It's got to impact a lot of places. And that's what the journey does. And so, you know, that would be if, if I had my pastorate to do over again and I knew what I knew now, uh, we'd do these events, but these events would be nothing more than on ramps to get men involved in the journey, to hand them the book, let them read the book, uh, maybe have the short conversations, you know, that lead into the nine month commitment. But the reality is um, 
I've not found any other tool, not seen any other tool. And I've done a bunch of men's ministry stuff over the 20 years we've I was in ministry. I've never seen anything that truly teaches men how to have a real relation, a real intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, and I was going to say that too. This, you know, it's not about influencers. It's not about the journey, our process. Yeah, our, absolutely. It's about it's about abiding with Jesus Christ and learning what that means. Yep. And and this process, this tool that we have helps people. Right. And and when they when they find that and start abiding with him, I mean, it changes everything and it changes it, it, it can change a church if if yes. a lot of their members and and you know, women are doing it too now, doing yes. journey groups and and couples and and uh it it can radically change a church and we have evidence of that. Uh we, yeah. we've had pastors talk about that, what it had did has done for their church. You know, but even even if just a handful of men, like you said, went through a journey group it would start changing the church, you know, because yes. it works itself from the heart outward into the people that where they touch and, you know, church that's is right. one of their cures of influence, but yeah, that's we've awesome. Done yeah. A, we've done several groups um, here in our offices where we, we do our groups. And actually I um, took my um, vice president of my company uh, through the journey. And um, now we've led three groups together and um, we talk about, we call it the pushback moment, that moment where they're sitting around the table. And it's when you get into that first or second lesson on really what abiding is and the John 15 passage. And, you know, you have this moment where especially guys that have been in church all their life, they push back from the table and they go, why hasn't anybody ever taught me this? <laughs> you know, that I'm not responsible for producing fruit in my life. That that's the father's responsibility. That's the vine dresser's responsibility. And all I have to do is be connected to the vine. And if I'll invest my time, effort, and energy in being connected to the vine, then up through that vine comes all the nutrients and resources that I need in order to produce fruit. And I've been working all my life to put out grapes as the branch, and I can't do it. And I'm frustrated. And I've been at those moments where I've didn't want to go to church, whatever the case is. And I love that moment, that moment where Holy Spirit, Scripture comes together, makes the connection of there is a way to live this life with peace and joy and love and all those fruits of the Spirit, all, all of that at one time, and be able to produce fruit in my life, both internally and externally, that my family sees, my company sees, my church sees, the people around me see, my friends see. And it, I, I said this so often after I went through the journey the first time and went through all that we went through, and I said, I have never worked less and produced more spiritually. Mm -hmm. now, I've worked hard and produced some fruit, right? Some fruit. But after I went through that journey the first time over and over again, and the guys that were in my group would hear it, and the guys that I took through the, the next two or three times heard it over and over again is, I've never worked less and produced more. And that scripture where Jesus says, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I come to understand that in such a fresh new way when I learned to have this abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, and I, and I, I think it, the verse that uh, has always struck me for years, you know, where, where Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that they could have life and have it abundantly. 
Right. You know, and, and I, and I, for so many years, I don't, I didn't feel like I had an abundant life. Right. And I, and I, and I knew enough to know that he wasn't talking about wealth. He right. was talking yeah, about absolutely. a different kind of abundance. And I think right. you're alluding to it, that the abiding life is the abundant life where it there's is. so much peace and joy and it's not hinged to your circumstances or your pocketbook or, you know, right. it's just, it's, it is, it's a grace life, you know? Um, well, I, I want to revisit one other thing, Rodney. Um, so you were pastor and, and I, I, we all know that that's a calling. I mean, you know, you know the, yes. it should be a calling. I think the people yeah. who really, um, and and then you were called to do something different. So, yep. how did you reconcile that? Um, because I have a there's a quote that I've that I've kind of latched onto by Fred Beekner that says the place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. So, something that brings you joy, something that you are wired to do, something that God put in you a dream almost, and then that matches up with a need in the world. You know, yeah. and. and it could be being a pastor in a local church. It could be right. doing what you're doing today. How, how did? What do you make of all that? Yeah, so you know, obviously, that year and a half of wrestling with what was next, I think, was the Lord really helping prepare me for next wasn't going to be pastoring a church, and so I had to wrestle with that because I knew that calling. Um, again, just a miracle story of how God spoke to me in in that transition from being able to do that. Um, actually the committee had come to me three times and I said, no, I don't think it makes sense for me to do that. They had no idea that I was even considering going to seminary or considering pastorate. And I said, no, <clears throat> finally I said, okay, well, here's a deal. Put me in the ring, but put me in the ring like everybody else. I want to go through the same process. And so when they offered for me to come as the individual that they wanted to look at for the pastor. And I, I was actually going to work at a youth camp for a week um, doing sound and, and audio and lighting and all that for the youth camp uh, that I, and I used that time typically every year to study because I'd do it in the morning and do it in the evening. And I had the whole day off in a camp where I didn't have to do anything. And so I used that time to prepare for, and I went this time to say, Lord, Here's the deal. If you want me to pastor, if you want me to stay here at this church and do this, you're going to have to show me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning. Nothing happened Thursday morning. The pastor that was speaking is actually David Nasser. Uh, in fact, I just got reconnected with him a few months ago to say thank you. Um, but he finished the morning session and he, he stopped all the kids and he said, you know, I, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord said, uh, read Jeremiah chapter one. He said, I'm not preaching on that tonight, but I just felt like that's what the Lord said. So dismissed for lunch. They go to lunch and I'm laying there on my bed after lunch saying, Lord, it's Thursday afternoon. We leave tomorrow at noon. I need a word. I need to know if this is what I'm supposed to do. I remember David saying that I grabbed my Bible and I started reading Jeremiah chapter one. And that was the, it was as if Jesus was standing in the room speaking, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Jeremiah was given all the reasons and excuses why he couldn't speak. And the Lord said, I'll put I'll put words in your mouth. You're going to speak to nations. But here's what he said. He said, you're going to you're going to tear down. You're going to pluck up. You're going to destroy. You're going to plant and you're going to build. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And so except that I knew that, OK, God, I've got no more excuses um, for how I'm going to come up with 52 messages Sunday morning and Sunday night, and Wednesday night and all that stuff. So I said yes. And God blessed it. When this transition took place, the Lord took me back to that passage of Scripture. And, you know, the very last part that he called Jeremiah to do was to build. 
And um, and so I say this all the time. In fact, I was interviewing with a church uh, last week and I said to them, I said, guys, here's where I'm at in my life. I said, I feel just as called and just as anointed to do what I'm doing today as I did when I stood in the pulpit and preached the, the word. And um, and so I, I, I believe with all my heart, um, God's called me here to shepherd pastors and shepherd churches through this process of designing and building facilities. But more importantly, um, he's, he's called me to shepherd the team that he's given me. And I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in marketplace ministry. I believe business owners have a huge responsibility to um, be godly men and women in the workplace and to be very intentional about loving those people that work with them and for them. And so, you know, our our kind of our internal motto is we're we're building people, we're building the kingdom, and we're building buildings. And it's in that order. We build people first. And that starts with our team. It starts with the clients that we work with. It starts with the subcontractors that we work with. All the while we're building the kingdom, we're investing in the kingdom financially, we're uh, doing journey groups, we're we're doing the things that build the kingdom. And then, yeah, God's given us, like Paul, a vocation to not build tents or make tents, but to build buildings so that people can worship, people can come to know Christ, to families, kids, etc. So, but our first and primary calling is to be an ambassador for Christ and to build people. And so that anointing that God had on my life to teach and preach is still there. I still have the opportunity to do that. It's just often to a different crowd. We have a weekly devotional here at our office and um, myself, my wife and my vice president lead that. Uh, we invite various pastors that we're working with to lead and, um, we're just watching God transform lives right here in our workplace. Men, it's not a requirement to be a believer to come to work for us. It is a requirement to understand our culture and our DNA, obviously. Um, so we got a lot of guys that come through the door that say, oh, I attended church when I was younger or whatever the case. And we're just watching God shape and mold those lives little by little. And so fun um, and just as rewarding as to stand in, in the pulpit on Sunday morning and and have somebody come up after church and say, hey, I put my faith in Christ today. It's it's no different. It's still the work of the kingdom. It's still ministry. It's still loving people, discipling people, growing people in Christ. And so um, we've been able to take uh, more than half of our employees uh, through the journey. And so uh, it's it's. It's just fun. Uh, still doing what God's called me to do. It's just a different role right now. And uh, I don't I don't feel any less of a calling than I did when I when I pastored a, a church. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I was at a conference one time, a Christian conference, and the speaker said, would you all raise your hand if you're in full time ministry? You know, and, you know, just a couple people raised their hand. And then, right. of course, he said, if you're a Christian, you should have all raised your hand. You know, you're all in yeah, full time yeah. ministry. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, cool. Well, hey, I enjoyed uh, getting to chat with you, Rodney, and for them to get to know you and hear another story of um, Transform Life and just all the ways in which God worked through your story and is still still writing your story. So, uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much, Rodney. Um, Very honored. I'm gonna, Very honored. Yeah. And uh, just thankful to the Father for the journey that he's had me on and all the blessings and um, thankful for the men that uh, challenged me and 
and to take to go on the journey. The men that still challenge me to be in the journey, like Frank and and uh, others, guys that I have uh, been able to uh, be discipled by through this process. So just so grateful. God has been amazing, Brian. I appreciate you and the work that you do. Well, and I'm thankful that you're out there encouraging pastors because there's a lot of discouraged pastors out there. And, you know, after COVID, a lot of people wondered if there'd be any more church buildings, you know, yeah. going on. But it it's cool to know that the people still want to gather, that God's people oh. still want to get together. Let me just tell you, <laughs> the kingdom is on the move right now. Um, you don't hear it in the news. You won't you won't hear it talked about. But being in this business, um, I've been doing this for 13 years now. Brian, I have never been more busy. And we're still receiving calls every week with the interest rates like they are, the economy, where everybody says it's going. Um, God's kingdom is on the move. So it's exciting time to be a church builder in the in this country. That's for sure. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, well, this has been my my guest, Rodney James from Tulsa, Oklahoma, another influencer out there uh, who's just been uh, abiding in Christ and then letting that fruit go forth and help other people. So... Well, uh, you've been listening to the Influencers Network podcast and, uh, you know, be sure and check out our website to find other uh, other episodes that we've done. Uh, we've done quite a few podcast recordings. You can also find them on uh, Spotify and Apple and all the other places that you can stream podcasts. So we're, we're glad to know we're out there. And, and, and actually, I think people are listening to these, which is good. So uh, um, anyway, my name is Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today.